It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host Yash Thakur and today we are back after a while to discuss a lot of things related to Real Madrid Femenino. Uh, we will be doing the game review. You know, we played the Liga opener against Valencia um, last weekend and we have a lot of updates about the Champions League qualification round we have some updates about the upcoming new brand new international tournament UEFA Nations League for the women's uh, so we will be discussing all of that apologies that this pod is coming out uh, a week late but uh, we got caught up in things and since it was the international break we thought it would be nice to put it out now so that everyone is all brushed up uh, before the next weekend and yeah we have more updates to discuss as well so that's cool uh, so let's let's get into it and before we get into it i'm obviously uh, as always joined by kanita to make all of this much more uh, digestible for everyone listening so that's cool uh, how how are you doing kanita a week later how how are you doing in general and what do you feel about real madrid femenino after that season opener yeah, I mean it's a bit more relaxed, you know. We don't, uh, we're not like crushed that we have a game after a week. So you know how it's um, during the club football season. So yeah, it's it's weird that we had only this one game <laughs> uh, before, like between the two international breaks. Um, but yeah, I mean the strike did this, and it was uh, actually topped earlier than expected so we at least got one match they played um but yeah i mean i'm feeling um i don't know i'm feeling same as always to be honest about the new season <laughs> i don't know i don't feel any new um things but yeah it might be a good thing at this point actually so yeah i mean we'll see uh yeah there are a lot of things to cover and international break and everything um included with the debuts and everything which we will get into very very uh soon so yeah just let's just start all right so as 
as Kanita touched upon as well, we have a lot to discuss. So let's begin by talking about the game. And we briefed you about the strike that was going on with the players. That is why the first match day was postponed and it was expected that the second match day won't happen as well. Uh, but it did happen. The strike was resolved. Players agreed to uh, a fee. Although I think the fee is lower than what the referees agreed to. So I don't know how that works. And maybe this sets the stage for another <laughs> strike next season. Who knows? We'll have to wait and find out. But yeah. In, in the second game week, we were up against uh, Valencia. Uh, it was an away game. And it was... Uh, it was pretty cool because we first of all there was like official official debut for some players uh, so it was nice to see how they all get up and I think the lineup that we put out was probably going to be something that we see more frequently uh, throughout the season so let's start by discussing the lineup against Valencia so it was Misa in goal Misa returned back uh, uh, and she was back in goal for us Oihane started as right back which is something that we have discussed and we have demanded for her to be uh, then Rocio and Sousa were the centre back partnership and it was Olga at left back the the most uh, interesting or the most uh, exciting part about this lineup was the midfield I would say this is something that we have spoken about at length in the past and uh, a midfield three of Tere Toletti and Weir. Weir in number 10 obviously behind the striker. Flanked by Linda Caicedo and Athena on either side with Senior Brun leading the pack. So we had two debut here uh, with Oihane making her official official debut and Brun making her uh, official league debut as well. So it, it was going to be interesting to see and uh, before we get into the match because a lot of things quickly happened in, in the game like we scored inside 40 seconds so that was pretty fun like I was still turning on my stream I remember and we had already uh, scored a goal uh, so we'll discuss and we'll break down the key talking points from the game but what did you think of the lineup Kanita when you saw it were you happy with with the midfield did you have any uh, anything that you would have changed or uh, like it was it is probably the best lineup that we can probably put out uh, for for this season uh yeah i mean we did uh, discuss the midfield especially in the preseason games the two preseason games we uh, talked about how uh, we didn't have Tere then and we've been wanting to you know see her after the world cup play for real madrid and we um I know I was <laughs> insisting on Tere especially, and I mean we did get that in the starting lineup here, and uh, I'm glad we did. Um, this midfield is definitely something we want to see more of. Um, that, yeah, I mean I was talking about it for the last two games, so obviously. <laughs> uh, and yeah, maybe give rest to Sonosa because it's like, um, well, you know it's. At this point, it's called like the ultimate midfield trio in this team, the Tornosa Weir Toletti midfield. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes they do need a little bit of rest, you know, from playing together. And uh, at this point, I think with this, um, well, shortage of center backs, I don't know how I was to call it, plus Ivana wasn't available for this game either. So, 
Yeah, um, I believe that we need Tata more this time because of her uh, defensive work and it's she's just clutch in there, like at the back whenever uh, she has to. Well, we call them robberies. We decided that like last season to call um, Tata recoveries as robberies. So yeah, um, we do need that. We need her uh, control and everything like and. Um, yeah, I won't talk about the gaming just yet, but yeah, I, I think she did well. She did um, show what, why was I asking for her and why this is a good midfield option, actually. Uh, so yeah, very, very, very glad that uh, we got to see her start the first game. And Boyana, um, definitely, <laughs> uh, we talked about how she um, has to start, uh, that she has to be the starter right back. Definitely over Kenty, uh, and you know I hope that it's just not this first game because again she did show a lot and yeah definitely a worthy starter starting center uh, right back sorry and yeah I mean the rest of uh, the lineup was pretty standard in my opinion like very expected um, the attack I mean yeah Brun leading it and then Atenea and Linda on the wings um, probably our uh our strongest at this point, as far as we know, actually, we have Raso, so we don't know yet how she will perform in the team, but yeah, uh, she did play as well, so, I mean, we'll talk about her later, mention her later, but yeah, pretty sad lineup, and yeah, happy about Tere and Doyane to um, have them in the starting lineup, I hope this goes on, and uh, I hope that, you know, we're right about demanding for them, I guess, so yeah. Yeah, so what we will do in breaking down this game because uh, tactically there were a couple of things that I'll obviously touch upon as we talk about the game. But we will do one thing, we will talk about the goals first and then we will talk about individual performances and as an extension of that we will discuss the tactics that were used. Uh, before getting into the goals i would also like to like quickly just touch upon valencia's lineup as well so valencia were in their 442 uh, i think uh, listeners would be familiar with a couple of players like asun martinez macarena portales uh, you know both very uh, trouble causing players who are great at um, you know dribbling great at taking on players but equally not as great as uh, putting the final ball in and we discussed this in the past as well that if they could just get that final ball in uh, they would cause like a hell lot of more problems than they already do uh, so that was the case uh, both of them were leading the line uh, Asun was drifting out wide as well uh, and one of our former players Claudia Florentino was starting uh, at center back for Valencia and uh, she did a very good game we will talk about her as well uh, but yeah uh, it was pretty fun to have a sort of a reunion with her because she was a fourth choice center back and whenever she was called upon she did her best she gave her best on the field so uh, all the best to her as well and we'll uh, discuss her performance in this game too so as as i mentioned before we scored within the first 40 seconds of a game which is you know uh, it changes a lot of things obviously pushes the other team to be more aggressive opens things up and you know m makes our own side a bit relaxed you know you you are not chasing the game you are not behind you are already 
uh, with a one goal margin so you know you can play differently uh, you can approach the game a bit differently and more slightly more conservatively as well so that happened uh, we scored the second goal in the second half uh, it was scored by Naomi Feller but let's talk about that sequence I think in that sequence uh, one thing that I would really like to highlight uh, in that whole move was Toletti so Toletti is at the start of the move Toletti plays the ball back to uh, Caroline Weir in the middle of the field Caroline Weir then spreads it out wide to Linda Caicedo and during this entire time Toletti is continuing to make that run into the box she is the primary target for Linda Caicedo's ball into the box and she tries to direct the ball in, in but it, it's saved and then bundled home by Naomi Feller who comes on as a second half uh, substitute these were the two goals we managed to keep a clean sheet as well in this game uh, any other thing that you would like to add Kanita about the goals in particular because we will get into individual performances and tactics uh, as we continue to talk but uh, anything particular that you noticed on this goal or anything that you would like to highlight in the opening two goals the first goal obviously was scored by Athenea uh, Linda Caicedo made a very good run and we have spoken about this as well uh, Linda Caicedo is probably one of our most effective wingers in, in the team she has just come in and taken the team by storm and she managed to dribble past a lot of players a failed clearance here and there and she just manages to put the ball right across the face of goal Athenea is there at the far post and it's it's an empty net and we are 1-0 up anything that you would like to add from these two goals uh, Kanita or uh, should we get into some other stuff talking about individual performances and other things um yeah I mean not really much I mean you said uh, pretty much everything I just want to uh, comment on especially the second goal it was a bit messy wasn't it like um, Toletti is like just like just jumped over the ball or something like she wanted to get it but didn't get it uh, just in time it, it was a weird sequence but I just wanted to uh, comment that uh, whenever there's uh, like a ground cross inside the area like um, this time it was from Olga it was a uh, very very clean actually uh, ground pass inside the area to Toiletti like that very very clean uh, but it, it ended um, chaotically because, but I don't know, it's maybe some kind of correlation with those ground crosses and the uh, goals ending up very um, chaotically uh, because, yeah, basically Fela uh, got that thing in after like the second rebound. So, yeah, uh, whenever those ground passes happen inside the area, it just ends really chaotically. And this was one of them. Uh, and it always happens. I, I don't know why. I just I just wanted to comment on that, that there must be some kind of correlation or something. Uh, but uh, one of the unexplainable things in this game. But yeah, aside from that, uh, no, I don't have anything else. We can move on. Right. So we have basically addressed the scoreline you know the goal scorers now now let's talk about some of the interesting stuff from the game so let's start by talking about one of the debutants and one of the uh, you know big signings uh, addressing a big hole in the squad as well senior brune so senior brune started as the striker obviously because 
you know she is probably <laughs> the only recognized striker in in the squad uh, so she was leading the line and I, i'll pass it on to you kanita first before uh, i add my thoughts to it but what did you think of brune's debut and do you think maybe she was unlucky to get a goal on her debut because she got on end of some really good chances she was making the making good runs as well uh what did you feel of her debut performance in the league and uh, what what else do you have to say about brune and the future prospects of her playing as our number 9 uh, well first things first uh the feelings with her on pitch were um good i mean she did good uh it seems that she's integrated in the squad well i mean we saw it in the first um to matches as well i mean uh, the preseason matches uh, uh she already has this connection with players as well and yeah there were a few instances where she was at the end of the ball and she could have um almost have gotten again in like it's not a miss by her like from her shots or anything just uh at some points were unlucky like the she had like a couple of header attempts very good ones like from two crosses which were both from Oyane I think this one of them was from Oyane and yeah like that but most of the time actually um it, it was very interesting for me to see uh she was shut down by Claudia Claudia Florentino like she wasn't let to do anything um in the area like she wasn't even uh let to have the ball she would uh, Florentino would uh she, she actually kept an eye on her like i watched uh what Florentino was doing uh closely for like the first 15 minutes of the match it just uh went on until well, Brune got out uh but in the first 15 on the match i was actually watching it closely and Florentino was like there by her side and when she would uh let her breathe Abrun would would like um see that and try to go uh to like uh free herself and go further up wait for a cross uh but Florentino Florentino would just follow her immediately like she would let her breathe for like 5 seconds and then when Brun would start uh going up uh she went with her uh so that that's crazy that's a crazy like the, towards the end of the first half uh she did a kind of a um challenge uh right from a long ball i don't remember from whom uh but might have been from Lear or i i don't know if you remember uh it was um ivana like uh block from Florentino which Ivana did against the Netherlands in the World Cup uh which basically saved Spain in that game uh but she did exactly that thing uh against Brune in that moment and then a few minutes later uh she did another uh challenge like last second tackle like so uh, most times Brune couldn't even get the ball inside the area unless it was from a perfectly executed cross and only then i would say that she was unlucky in like those instances the rest of the time she was just shut down and yeah i mean um Florentino's debut for well 
like second debut for Valencia because you know she came from Valencia to Real Madrid and then yeah came back. <laughs> uh, was against Real Madrid and it was spectacular in my opinion. Well, I mean I'm glad to see this. To be honest, I'm really happy for her. And a side note, she got called up for national team. Uh, so yeah, she'll probably uh, play one of the games of the National League, Nations League. So yeah, uh, she deserved uh, solely from this game. Uh, but yeah, I think um, when you tell me like, oh, uh, when you tell me Brun against Valencia, I just immediately think of Florentino. Like I can't, um, cannot think of Florentino. So yeah. Um, spectacular job by her. Really, really shut down Brune. Like, I'm not even kidding. Maybe you can um, maybe you can prove me wrong or something, like, remind me of something, but uh, I, I don't think there were anything. There's a couple of unlucky instances from the cr uh, from the crosses from Ayana, and that's it. Like, the rest was shut down. So, yeah, I would I would really like to see what you have to say, because yeah, but until top-notch job at this point yeah well <laughs> a brune review turned out to be a uh, claudia florentino review but yeah i won't i won't blame you for that because uh florentino was really good uh, in the game and uh, obviously she deserves her uh, her due credit she did a very good job shutting down a lot of the attacks that were trying to come through on that from that right half space and you know she did well. She we know how she defends. She gets close to the uh, the forward and denies them space to turn into and denies them the time when they get the ball. So she has this sort of a semi-aggressive or an aggressive style uh, when she's defending and she's good at closing players down. So she denied a lot of uh, opportunities for Brune. But uh, when speaking about Brune, uh, I think it was a good debut. I think on on another day maybe she gets maybe she gets a goal as well from this situation from the chances that she had uh, i remember a couple of chances from from crosses where uh, ohane put in a good cross and uh, brune almost managed to get a head on it and there were there were up other couple of instances as well where uh, claudia prantino did well to like shut her down uh, but one interesting thing that I think uh, I would like to point out is the dynamic between Caroline Weir and Senior Brune. Uh, I made a tweet as well after the game ended because uh, when watching the game, it was pretty interesting to see how how much Brune was dropping off from the last line, which you know she, we know she is capable of doing, but uh, we expected a little less of that after Esther. Uh, after Esther departed, we were expecting more uh, Brune to be a more of a traditional number nine to be in the box to get on the end of the chances, and that is what she would be limited to. We know her skill set is broader than that. She can do the link-up play, she can do the layoffs uh, for the wide players. Uh, but it was interesting to see how much she was dropping. Like uh, at times when we were trying to build up. Uh, Tere and Toletti were the ones who were the deepest one who were offering for the ball regularly. But uh, Valencia with their uh, sort of player-to-player -player marking uh, had everyone covered and then it would be Brune who would drop uh, near the halfway line, receive it and try to spread it wide or uh, try to find a close connection 
with one of the midfielders or one of the wide players so it was pretty cool to see and what did what it uh, translated to was that with brune dropping so much it was almost like caroline weir was uh, playing as as the number 9 at times because she was constantly occupying that last line we know how uh, aware of her spa- like how spatially aware caroline weir is in these situation whenever she sees a vacant space she is quick to run into and we have seen her make those runs in behind multiple times and this time with uh, brune dropping we know uh, we are quickly identified that and was quick to like uh, attack the back line and keep them pinned back giving thus giving room for brune to like receive in in the midfield and try to uh, you know link up play with 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 her teammates and that was pretty fun to see uh, if you look at the average positions w- uh, during the time when brune uh, was on the pitch brune was slightly deeper than caroline weir uh, in terms of her average position so that was pretty interesting to see and i'm i'm more intrigued to uh, watch how this partnership develops because uh, brune is dynamic we know weir can adapt to anyone playing alongside her she adapted to uh, she has played with you know out and out number 9 she has played with somebody like esther who likes to drop a lot brune is a sort of somewhere in between where she would drop but she would also uh, like to be in the box and be the target uh be the tall target for us to cross into to create chances for so i'm pretty intrigued to see how this partnership between the two uh players develop because uh i think these two will be again very crucial for our goal scoring uh uh goal scoring chances and for whatever prospects we have in terms of uh you know beating a team uh, in a game i think these two will be pivotal to that so it, it's interesting to see how they how they definitely develop that and especially off the ball as well because off the ball i did feel like there was some still some uh, cohesion that can be built uh, at times we were we were pressing very aggressively as well we were pushing like six bodies into the opposition half on goal kicks and forcing them long uh to try to play long and uh, win the first contact uh but yeah uh, so in those situation weir understands her role weir understands her trigger uh brune is slowly uh, building that sort of synergy with weir that in in the past we saw with esther uh how like when weir would go for pressing esther would exactly know where to be which player to mark and which option to uh, cut out she is slowly uh, developing that brune and it will be interesting to see how this partnership develops so i'm that i'm particularly looking forward to watching more of brune and weir in in the future games another thing that we need to talk about is the midfield obviously seeing tere toletti and weir on the team sheet together just had me really happy because uh, and very excited honestly because i don't know how it has taken this long for uh, for the manager to notice that tere should absolutely be a starter but if the world cup has done us one thing good it's that it has brought to attention how absolutely good uh, tere is especially in that deeper midfield role so it was pretty nice to uh, see her start in that role alongside uh, toletti we know how Toletti compensates for almost everything <laughs> in the midfield she is doing the running she is making 
she is a proper box to box midfielder to put it lightly she will make the box run she will crash the box she'll be creating the chances with her passing ability she'll be defending our box she'll be passing she'll be progressing the ball she'll be there to receive from the back line she can do it all basically and and to a very good degree so it, it was pretty nice to have her and obviously veer is undroppable so uh, it was pretty interesting to watch the dynamics between these three and i think they performed really well i think both tere and uh, toilet in the midfield were phenomenal like in terms of the be the passing be their uh, creativity be their ball progression ability or be their defensive ability as well i think it was uh, pretty nice to watch these two and i think uh, moving forwards as well this is this should be absolutely be our starting midfield like there is no uh, no doubt in my mind about this if we need a game changer if we need something fresh in a game or two i think we can tweak that uh, with with the introduction of maybe zornosa maybe uh, maite comes in as well or if we want to rotate but i think uh, the primary 11 or something that we say that team this is the best 11 i think in the best 11 it should be tere and toretti because they give us a lot both on and off the ball uh, what did you make of uh, the performance of the midfield three and do you have any other comments on on tere or toletti or veer from this game i have something to add about uh, toletti from the game but i'll let you have the uh, i'll let you i'll give you the chance to speak on this first before i move on and i add it uh yeah i don't really have a lot of concrete things like uh when it comes to the dynamics between the three of them um but yeah i mean i said it in the beginning of the episode that uh seeing tere in the starting lineup and you know doing a good game which it really was uh really made me happy and you know that uh she proved us right <laughs> that's something that we've been saying for a long time uh and Yeah, this combination between like the styles of play between the three of them uh goes perfectly. Uh it just does and you know with three of them in form um yeah, I mean, I I don't I can't see this going badly <laughs> with this uh midfield at this point. So, yeah. Uh but I want to say one thing, a concrete thing. It's not the criticism, it's just the interesting to see i don't know there were a few instances where weir's decisions uh seemed a little bit questionable uh now don't say oh whoa whoa weir you're talking me saying this about weir yeah she had a few weird decisions um especially when it comes to um oh when she was at the entrance of the box she would uh and i don't know she would have to pass uh to the her side like to the center of the area but she knew she would have uh, she has a defender by her side like right behind beside her side and she would just try to get the pass through but the pass doesn't even go like half a meter away from her uh but yeah like decisions like those very uh odd ones but i just 
want to add like this yeah i know you didn't ask me to do this i just want to say that some of the decision making that she did in this game mm, compensate like Athenea compensated for having like good on pitch decisions for this game and i've been saying for a long time uh that uh, sometimes well usually her decision making is questionable very very questionable uh but this this game it wasn't it just um it just seemed like um i i guess we lent some of our decision making skills for a game or something uh but i might be wrong i i, I hope i'm wrong about that thing about atenea uh, that she is actually uh doing well this season which she has been in from when uh real madrid returned to play and yeah uh, so yeah, this was just a discourse about Atenea at this point. <laughs> I wanted to know. Uh, I wanted to note what Atenea did as well because I don't think we have her in the notes. Uh, so yeah, uh, putting this a bit here. Uh, no criticism to Weir once again. Just weird thing that these decision making things were kind of switched between the uh, two of them. So um, yeah, take it what we want from it. Yeah. Guys, Kanita hates weird. That is the storyline here. That is what we are going to title this pod. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of misplaced passes here and there, and I think she is still getting up to the up to the speed uh, for the season. But yeah, uh, as she said as well, uh, nothing to worry about with weir She'll she'll continue to score goals. She almost scored here as well hit the hit the post in in the game so I, i'm not worried about weir at all she's the, she's the last of my worries with the squad that we have uh but yeah so i would like to obviously add to this i would like to add um some points about toletti i think i think this game uh showed really well how toletti uh like a lot of the games in the past have as well uh, let me just say that but uh, once again we got an example of what Toletti can do uh, with with her passing with with the way she positions her, herself and the sort of connection that she has with uh, and the understanding that she has with Veer with Linda Kaiser it's just amazing to watch let me just say that like uh, those three move on a very similar wavelength uh, on the second goal we saw that we saw it before in the first half when Linda Caicedo fizzled a shot just missing the uh, far post from the right hand side. You know, these players just know where to be, when to be and how to be. Like the how part is also important because they know just the right sort of run to make, just the right sort of way to shape their body, just the right sort of timing to make those runs to support and progress play in the final third and i think that is invaluable i think these three players the sort of synergy that they have uh, at this very early stage in the season it can only mean good things for us moving forward and i hope uh, all three of them continue to build on this partnership and you know this is going to just create a lot of problems for the opposition and help us get some really sick sequences passing sequences to penetrate into the opposition box so I, i'm pretty excited for that uh, i'm pretty excited to see how toletti's season goes because this was a really good performance from her in in either third uh, so yeah I, i'm i'm pretty much looking forward to uh, what we see developing in terms of 
the midfield three and also the connection with Linda Atenea and, and other players with the midfielders. So yeah, pretty excited for this. I think the next point that I would like to discuss is, I don't know if you noticed, but in this game, we played Kathleen as the left center back and Rocio as the right center back, which, you know, uh, we, we keep doing this which is just beyond comprehension for me because in the past we have seen uh, Kathleen play as, as the right centre-back and I think that is the position that we have seen her most frequently. Uh, but this game she was left centre-back and, and this is not the first time that we are doing this where we switch the centre-backs. Ever since Toril has been here or even in the past, I don't know why but we just keep doing this with our centre-backs. And maybe there is some sort of a higher tactical reason for this, but I definitely do not understand this. Uh, because, you know, centre-backs do have a preferred side to play uh, a lot of the times. Kathleen is comfortable playing on the right-hand side. Rocio, even though right-footed, she has played largely on the left-hand side. So, you know, just keeping them there, not changing their receiving angles is seems like a very simple decision but we always keep doing this and very frequently as well even when it was uh, Ivana and Rocio just the two of them we kept playing Ivana on the right sometimes we kept playing Ivana on the left sometimes it doesn't make sense to me uh, I don't know what you have to say about this but it just feels weird to keep switching uh, the sides that your centre-backs play, play in. It makes no sense. It doesn't necessarily add any sort of advantage for for us in, in build-up as well. Both are right-footed. It's not like playing Kathleen on the left gives us a left-footed option on the left-hand side. It's not like that. All of our centre-backs are right-footed. So there is no tactical advantage as such in build-up. Passing wise both are almost similar in terms of their long ball ability and everything so I don't know where what Like what is the reason for such a decision? But yeah, I mean it's just something that we keep doing Do you have anything to add on this or should we like move forward? Uh, yeah I noticed that I just didn't really bite an eye on it to be honest, uh, I probably would have if it was um, a different kind of game, uh, because this game was well, pretty, like, pretty the same thing uh, during the whole game. I just don't know. Uh, we, we scored early, so you know, it was expected, but. I mean, just for uh, from the fact that we had 27 shots, seven of them on target, they only had four shots on, in total. Like, the Valencia did not do much in attack. So it didn't really translate a lot uh, in our defense. Um, I didn't really see much from our defense, to be honest. I saw uh, just uh, Olga stopping the attacks before it would even reach the last line and uh, Toletti as well making one last minute, last second tackle but from like when it comes to the centre-backs I didn't really notice anything 
well, I don't know, notable, I guess. Uh, so I can't really say what uh, is he trying to do with this future rule. Uh, but yeah, again, it didn't translate at all in this game, at least in my opinion, because they really didn't get to do much uh, against us. So yeah, um, we do we do keep doing this. I just never noticed um, adding anything to our game or um, actually taking away from it. To be honest, I don't remember even from the previous games where we did that. Um, but yeah, interesting that you pointed it out. But yeah, uh, no further comments, honestly. Yeah, the the reason why I put it is we keep doing this. Uh, the reason I think we we should have addressed this is just because of that. Because I don't know, it's pretty odd. I've never seen a lot of teams do this on a frequent basis as frequently as we do it. Uh, so yeah, it just feels weird. It doesn't give us any advantage. And uh, you know, if the opposition is actually more effective like you said Valencia were not able to do much in attack but if the opposition is capable of doing that this just puts us in a in a very bad place because you know you have both your center backs playing on different sides receiving at different angles now on different onto different foot it makes a difference you know they have building synergy they have been building synergy with their respective fullbacks and stuff like that so all of that just goes down the drain when you do that so yeah uh, another thing that we should probably talk about is Raso's debut uh, Raso is one of the most uh, is one of the signings that people are most excited about and uh, she was not a part of the preseason tour to Mexico so this is the first time we are actually like seeing her in the in the team she came on for the final final few minutes and uh, uh, I particularly like I think it was just an okay debut I don't have like many notes on uh, Raso's actions from the game because they were pretty straightforward uh, it was pretty evident that she does not have synergy with the, the teammates yet and uh, you know it's going to take time this is just a first game uh, we'll have to also be uh, very you know attentive towards her fitness because that is something that has bothered her throughout her career so that is something that also will be need to be monitored and how much play time how much workload we have to put on her because she's the first australian uh, in the in the team and you know with the international camp and the international breaks that come up she'll be making a very long travel uh, and stuff like that so load management will be essential with with uh, raso in particular so we'll have to see we'll have to see how it goes and and yeah, I think the debut was pretty much alright. You know, there were a couple of misplaced passes. There were a couple of decent runs, maybe. She, w you can tell that she was quick. Uh, she is quick, and she, that is something that is a major part of her game. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, I don't really have anything to add about Ra. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it develops and what role she is actually given. Whether she comes in and gets a starting position in in the future games or maybe she comes off the bench like this trying to make an impact uh, off the bench uh, and is a rotational option we'll have to see so uh, yeah uh, i don't have any particular comments on uh, other than that on raso's debut uh, kanita do you have anything to add about uh, raso and her debut because you know everyone is 
uh, in the Madridista community, I think everyone is very excited to see uh, how Raso plays and how she does for the team. So, what did you make of her debut? Yeah, listen, when, uh, when I was watching it live, uh, I didn't really think much of it. I mean, yeah, I noticed that she's passed, obviously. That's not hard to notice at this point. Uh, but, um, uh, like, after the game, I saw that people were discussing the game and when mentioning Grasso, that they really liked her game and everything. And, yeah, I agree. It was uh, pretty, okay, standard. Uh, as you said, she doesn't really have the synergy with the team yet, which is normal. And yeah, those misplaced passes, uh, nothing to worry about. I mean, it's her first game, uh, literally her first game, which is first official game. So yeah, uh, don't. I don't really have any conclusions from her game. Uh, but interesting that you mentioned that um, fitness thing. I mean, we did. Um, we did point it out uh, in the previous pods and when we were talking about our new signings and everything. Uh, but I just want to say that the travel thing, um, a lot of people I know say, oh, they're professional athletes, like they're, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, paid for this to travel and uh, play. Uh, but the thing is that the tra long travel, uh, long distance travel, and the, like a lot of frequent travel is uh, ex exhausting for everybody, uh, like everybody, like uh, even of athletes and uh, normal mundane people. Uh, so it's it's weird when people just um, ignore that. Part, uh, especially well, she's Australian and she will have to travel a lot, like between the international breaks. And these international breaks are very frequent as well, which is uh, stupid. I mean, they're frequent in men's football as well. It's something that has to change in the entirety of sport, to be honest. But yeah, uh, I really hope they uh, keep that in mind uh, in the staff, uh, especially with her that uh, long distance traveling and that they should monitor her. Um, well, exhaustion, she's exhausted and everything. So, yeah, uh, amongst other fitness problems she's had in the few uh, last few years. So, yeah, but um, I don't have any further comments. I just I just wish her all the best, to be honest. Uh, don't really have any conclusion from this match, but uh, I think she's a great uh, addition. And, yeah, hopefully we're all right about her. Yeah, I think load management is a big thing. Uh, that is why Chelsea are also like, uh, like we saw it with Chelsea and Sam Kerr and Australia last last year, leading up to the World Cup as well. And we saw the toll that it took on Kerr's body right before the World Cup started. Um, we know how Australia management managed that load as well with resting her for a few games in 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 the international break. So I think these things do factor in. And especially when this, uh, when the calendar is actually like quite packed with with the international breaks now uh, being more frequent, and there are actually games that are where there's things at stake as well. So uh, you know, it it puts a lot of pressure on the body, and these constant time zone changes is not is not good for the for the players as well. So yeah, something to keep an eye on. But yeah, pretty excited to see how how she turns out to be so i think that 
concludes our talk from the game like the game was pretty much straightforward especially i think major reason for that was because we scored in inside 40 seconds uh, and if we wouldn't have probably it would have gotten much more interesting and it would have forced us to look at some more stuff and ideas to break valencia down um, just one uh, a couple of things that i would like to again add atenea had a good performance in that game uh, zornosa as well came off the bench uh, almost scored as well uh, we this is the thing with zornosa and i think this is the role that is uh, very good for her because you know uh, she is a player that is primed for her creative ability for a goal scoring for her chance creation and stuff like that uh, so putting her in for those final 20 25 minutes where we are probably chasing the game or we haven't found a breakthrough is quite nice uh, and yeah i think uh, she also announced her retirement from international football very recently so a uh, goes out as as a world cup winner uh, though we'll talk about whatever is happening with spain at the moment but yeah so she'll have that load less and she'll allow uh, us to have an extra option to rotate uh, moving forwards and good uh, give us good depth in in midfield at least so yeah uh, i think that is about it from the game let's move on and talk about the champions league draw so we are in we have to play the qualifiers obviously uh, this season as well but unlike last season where we had to play like two games we are just going to play one this time uh and it will be against norwegian side valeranga i am probably pronouncing it wrong but you know it's another norwegian side this time we faced rosenborg last last year and we are going to face valeranga uh this this year the first leg for the game will be on 11th of october and the second leg will be on 18th and if we have to talk a little about uh about the team i think uh if if the if the listeners would have watched uh, the world cup they would have uh they would have known a player from the norwegian side uh, thea belde who surprisingly played as as the right back there uh but yeah i think she is more of a left sided player uh play has played as a left wing back for times where they played back 3 uh and has played in the midfield as well she is a midfielder but can play as the as the wide midfielder as well so currently they are 12th in the table uh with 5 wins out of 21 games 21 points in 21 games uh yeah not the greatest season that they are having uh they used to be quite good but they are all right now i think it's a decent challenge given it's early on in the season we would want we don't want a tough challenge and there were uh tough challenges of waiting you know uh paris fc could have been a challenge uh for us uh so i'm glad we avoided them uh, and we got valaranga which is which is not going to be the easiest but i think we should be confident that we can win this game and we should be into the champions league group stage once again uh, and hoping for a better uh, better result this time out than than the previous time uh, 
do you have anything to add about the Champions League draw? We have some exciting fixtures for uh, in in this qualification round. Uh, yeah, we have PSG versus Manchester United, which is obviously the biggest one. Uh, we also have Paris FC versus Wolfsburg, if I'm not wrong. So that is also going to be a very interesting one because uh, Wolfsburg are all right, but Paris FC are also good. Uh, you know, so it will be it will be quite interesting to see uh, who goes out because we already have Juventus who are out uh, of the Champions League. Uh, Arsenal are also out of the Champions League. So you know, it it can be pretty pretty fun, and you never know how how things pan out. But since this is going to be a two-legged uh, qualification round we have a better chance uh, to you know even correct our mistakes from the first leg and stuff like that so yeah do you have anything to add about the Champions League qualifiers uh, Kanita or should we move forward to talk about the UEFA Nations League and the international break in general I just uh, it's just funny because I was sure we would get Manchester United uh, because we, well we could have gotten them uh, but just because Manchester City um, wasn't in top three last uh, year, so uh, yeah, we couldn't get Manchester City this game. <laughs> so I was sure we we're gonna get the other Manchester team, but we didn't. So that's weird. Um, but it seems that we have a new tradition. Like um, maybe like two years we had Manchester uh, City, then we had. Uh, now we have two. Norwegian teams in like um, the past two years, and you know, I used mentioned Rosenborg last year, then Valerenga this year. So, yeah, we have these like traditions in the uh, Champions League qualifier. So, yeah, just a funny little thing. Uh, and yeah, I mean, those <laughs> those draws are really uh, annoying when it comes to the format of the Champions League. Like, everyone is talking about it um like in this round we ha we will have either psg um or oh, manchester united uh which is weird <laughs> uh just like just like it was with manchester city versus us you know we beat them but it should have been like both of us uh but yeah i mean everyone's talking about the format and they were talking about changing the format like expanding the uh, Champions League in the near future or something, and I hope it happens because, yeah, it is annoying. So, yeah, uh, nothing much to add. I mean, I don't really know the team um, that we drew. So, yeah, but excited, obviously. We're getting them, like, one week, well, t 10 days after the international break, something like that. So, yeah, uh, pretty soon. And, yeah, excited for that. Yeah, I will try to like put out some notes on the team. I, I have seen them when I was scouting for uh, Thea Wilde. Uh, I think uh, they play they play a back three system and Thea fits in as the left-sided midfielder or the wing back or the wide midfielder in games. But yeah, I'll, I'll try to add some notes uh, from, from those sides. Okay, so that concludes uh, the talk about the Champions League. Uh, I think we need to address the international break as well because there's something quite exciting and something very concerning happening on the international stage at the moment. Uh, so let's talk about the new thing that is happening 
uh, from the international stage. So UEFA Nations League is coming, uh, is going to start soon for the women's football as well. And the reason why this is important, uh, you know, UEFA Nations League was introduced to replace the qualifiers. Uh, and these these will serve as as qualifiers for the next year's Olympics as well. So there are three leagues A, B, and C. Uh, there are sixteen teams probably in each league, and uh, that are divided into four groups of four. And A league is the is the top league, and there will be promotion and relegation in, in from between leagues. So how is how this is going to work uh, for the qualifiers in the Olympics is in Group A the the four the four in League A the four groups that we have the winners from each of those four groups will compete in a semi-final and in a playoff sort of situation with semi-final and the final and third place position. The two teams that reach the final will uh, secure the qualification to the Olympics directly. There's also a caveat here that for Great Britain, if they are to qualify for the next year's Olympics in Paris, it would have to be England that reach the final two teams in League A, not Scotland. And England and Scotland are in the same group in League A, which is the first group. Uh, so I'll just quickly run through where the teams of our concerns lie. They are all in in group League A. So we have France in Group Two, we have Denmark in Group Three, we have Spain in Group Four, and we have Scotland in Group One. So you know, it's a it's an interesting format. Uh, now every game is going to have something at stake especially with the Olympics qu quickly approaching and then once the Olympics are done it will serve as a qualifier for the 2025 uh, also for the 2025 Euros in Switzerland so you know this competition is quite important and players will want to compete uh, at a very good level in this uh, so yeah that is that about the qualification and how UEFA Nations League is going to work and how important it is. I think we need to address something with the Spanish national team, the recently crowned world champions. And we both know ever since that final things have uh, not quite been as straightforward. Uh, or you know not as jolly as you would expect a World Cup winning nation to be you know it would be all celebration all ecstasy everywhere instead that final was that trophy celebration was marred by uh, an incident of you know pro an incident of sexual assault uh, by Luis Rubiales the former president of RFEF ever since that there has been a lot of things that have happened I'll quickly uh, you know give you a brief about what has happened since then so after that incident there was a huge commotion everywhere people were pouring out in support and uh, there was 
pressure from media and from the world for uh, Luis Rubiales to resign and there to be a change in the RFEF which is something that the players had demanded before in the past as well but it did not happen this time with with the added pressure you know it, it almost seemed like it was inevitable but then it took a turn where Rubiales called a, called a press conference and all the members of the RFEF and he was like I'm not going to resign that was a whole thing then there was again there was a lot of pressure uh, from media and from everyone and so he budged he resigned the Spanish national coach who was with the team when they won the World Cup Jorge Vilda he also resigned and they appointed his assistant during that tenure Monse uh, as the current head coach people thought that this would start the uh, wave of change that teams had demanded but you know Monse has been and uh, Wilda so there was also questions about whether this is just a change of hand and the working would remain the same so players put out a joint statement almost all of the players from the World Cup winning squad put out a joint statement saying they would refuse the national team call up until some changes structural changes are made because this is probably the only time in the history of Spanish football where the balance of power had shifted towards the player because everyone was watching the world champions now what is happening with them and how things are developing so uh, they put out that letter two players that did not um, sign that letter were uh, Athenea and Zornosa so there was a lot of um, you know commotion about that as well about why not everyone is putting out so Zoronosa then quickly followed it up by announcing that she is retiring internationally and Athenea put out a statement so and I think uh, we need to discuss it as as fans as fans of Madrid as as fans of women's football in general and, and as people who want the best for for these women for in general as well in society i think both the players should have signed uh, the that list of demands and the ref, the refusal to not join uh, the national team if called up uh, I think that was a wrong decision on both players part even even though Zornosa had retired I think it would have been worthwhile because the change that they are fighting for right now is bigger than the current squad is bigger than uh, the current World Cup winners it, it goes back and it goes forward the impact of this to the future that is coming up for Spain as well so uh, I think both players should have signed Okay, uh, Zornosa has retired. I think uh, Athenia's statement just made matters worse because, you know, people were speculating before about why she wouldn't have signed and she came out with a statement saying uh, where she said that 
she is a football player first and foremost and and everything and it was such a weak statement uh, while reading it i felt pretty weird because we all saw during the celebration atenea was one of the players along with you know multiple others who rubiales you know touched inappropriately was carrying around the ground celebrating and i you know that is pretty much not right it's not right not pretty much it's it's just absolutely not right uh and what they are fighting for even like her the way she framed it was that with the dismissal of rubiales and jorge vilda the primary demands of theirs have been fulfilled which you know fair okay those two people in power are are out but they have been replaced by people who have directly worked under them so you know you do have to question about how much influence there still is of of these people in the in the federation and how much has actually changed is it just the change of hands is it just the change of face uh, doing the same things in the future or is there an actual change and the and the demands from the player was that because this was the first time like i mentioned in in probably the entire history where the power now rests with the players because they can demand things and the federation is under pressure is on the back foot and they will have to uh, probably budge and abide to that and i think yeah i mean you know atenea plays for real madrid so uh whatever but i think it uh, at some point you'll have to draw the line between the fandom about her being a madridista and what her decision was i personally uh think she would have she should have actually signed that paper because a she was also a part of the player that player group that was you know uh, assaulted by rubiales which the entire world saw uh plus what she is doing uh what they are doing trying to do at least is to create a better future for the upcoming generation which is important which is bigger than just the current squad uh yes everyone is a professional player and you know it is very difficult from the outside to judge for these players because you don't know how much longer you have to play and, and all of that but it still feels a bit a bit weird to me it doesn't sit right with me uh, at least at the moment and uh, seeing the sort of support that she was uh, getting on that uh, statement it all came from very much uh, supporters of rubiales who were outright just saying that she uh like making her out to be a far right now i don't know i don't want to comment on that uh, her political leanings uh but the support that she was getting was not uh from very good uh it, it was coming from from a section of people who also supported rubiales so i think that says a lot uh about about that um yeah so that happened that was a, a a big thing and that is still a big thing and that will always be a big thing because you know this thing that the spanish national women's team is standing for right now is the start of probably a change and change doesn't always come easy you have to sacrifice for that uh 
and players are point like fans are pointing fingers about oh what about the 15 who you know refused first and then returned when there was glory on on stake at the world cup yes i'm not i'm not refusing that uh, uh but you don't one wrong doesn't make the other wrong correct so both can be wrong in their own place and uh, uh i feel like that statement just made matters worse when people were speculating it was already bad not signing was already bad but that statement uh, just made matters worse uh, in in a lot of aspect and i definitely do not agree with that statement uh, in this situation at all so yeah so that happened next thing since the players had refused monsetome went ahead and called up almost all of the players that had uh, said they would refuse the call up the clubs were not aware of, of this happening the players were not aware of this happening that they were going to be called up to the national team camp and they blackmailed the players they threatened the players by saying if they refuse this their playing license can be cancelled and they would be heavily fined so players had to make arrangements to reach the uh, national team camp this time in sweden everyone was scrambling there was a call up to uh, esther as well who is now in the nwsl so it was practically impossible for esther to you know uh, reach sweden overnight players did players uh, the players in the spanish national team that had refused did manage to go there but with very disappointed faces they were all very upset and we saw the reactions as well when they reached the camp uh, they were answering media uh, and it, it just feel like they were very unhappy and to imagine that it has just been a month when they won the world cup probably the biggest achievement of a football player's career and this is the state of them after just a month out from from that incident so pretty pretty shocking um esther did not make the trip actually the club announced that she was suddenly has picked up a knock which <laughs> which i feel is a cover up uh, but yeah it was practically impossible for her to uh, be there then started a long series of meetings between the players and the federation and the uh, csd which is like the sporting uh, authority of of spain uh, and they reached a conclusion where you know there was rumors that they were demanding a written sort of um, letter from the federation that said that they wouldn't be sanctioned if they left the club because um, most of the players did not want to be there and it's not just me reading the faces the players were saying stuff to the media players were in their statements they were clearly like are we actually going to a very safe place if you have to ask that then you have to question where we are going and if that is the situation you have to uh, you have to really really think about the players mental state in this situation because they are going to play somewhere they are playing going to play in an environment that they are not completely comfortable with and that is not right you know so the end conclusion was the players would remain there and there are rumors about 
probably Monster Tome will be uh, sacked off as well uh, after these two games and there will be hierarchical, hier hierarchical change in, in the RFEF as well so the players might get what they have demanded for they also put out another statement later on where they said that they the dismissal of the president and the manager was not something that they had ever demanded which was something that was making rounds in, in the media before. They had demanded for structural change and for environmental change in, in the federation and how things had been done which was affecting their mental health and their well-being in the camp. So let's see what happens after these two games. The three players had uh, who had refused a call-up to the World Cup, Marty Leon, Patrick Iharo and Claudia Pina, uh, they left the camp. Uh, they were not going to be sanctioned, that was decided. So those three players left the camp. The rest of the players have remained in the camp. Uh, but another, in, in, a, in the most recent talk with the media, um, Alexia Puteas and... Uh, Irene Paredes, who are both captains of the Spanish national team, they came out and they spoke about the situation. They spoke about how they have been not able to get appropriate sleep during this time because, you know, the meetings with the CSD, with the RFEF has gone on for four and they are running on four hours sleep. So how that is affecting their physical health, how the entire situation since the World Cup final has affected not just them, but also uh the very good friend their very good friend jenny armoso who was not called up in this uh national team call up so you know the situation is pretty pretty wild at the moment like it's it's hard to imagine that this is a team that were crowned world champions <laughs> very recently and uh, further developments will keep you updated if there is anything we'll obviously this is something that is that goes beyond football and this is not just the case that should be happening with just Spanish national team. We have read and we have seen multiple incidents of uh, sexual misconduct happening in, in, the, in the women's football sphere. And it has become such common practice that, you know, followers of the game for a long time are not even surprised when something like this breaks out, which is actually really sad that this is the state that we are in. But hopefully with time this changes and for this change there will have to be sacrifices from the players and yeah we hope for a better future that is all we can do and we hope that uh, the demands of the spanish national women's team is met because come on man they are they are world champions they have brought the biggest glory or uh, possible uh, in women's football to your country so you know i hope uh, the demands are met and everything and yeah we'll keep you posted i have been speaking for a very long time i think but it was necessary in this regard uh, because the listeners as well need to know where uh, what is happening and how it's happening and i think this this whole situation needs a moment where fans of madrid and of barcelona put aside their bias towards the team Obviously, I would support uh, my player, my club player, everywhere they go. But there are some situations where, you know, you have to put aside that uh, initial thinking of, okay, this player plays for Real Madrid. 
so i have to support whatever they're doing uh, and think about it in a more uh, rational way because this extends beyond the rivalry beyond uh, you know international rivalry beyond club rivalry this means a lot more for women's football this means a lot more for the future of the game in spain and worldwide because this will serve as an example if the players do manage to get their demands met so yeah uh, i think that is a pretty much a pretty comprehensive <laughs> summary of the entire situation i tried my best uh, i'm sorry if i have made any mistakes in covering that but yeah nothing else to add apart from that we will be bringing you coverage from the international games of the madrid players and how they do as we always do that with in the form of an article and we will be back to discuss uh the next game next weekend so yes i think that is it kanita do you have anything to say now is the moment or we can then wrap it up yeah i mean uh, you said it um i mean kudos to you for explaining all that because it's a lot of uh things but yeah it really is disappointing to see this i mean uh the uh the day that we're recording uh is like two days uh after the like one month passed after they uh, won the world cup and i just want to say that not a lot of people remembered that uh well they won a month ago when it happened uh which is you know disappointing uh they should be celebrated instead they're fighting this battle which is not pretty at all uh and yeah uh but yeah it's a very complicated thing and i agree with that like everything that you uh said with your your stance that um just goes beyond football beyond rivalry and it's really going to take a toll whatever happens is going to take a toll on the future of women's football uh all around uh i mean they're not just world champions they got the uh they got the attention of everyone uh of everywhere in the world every country uh was talking about what happened in the final and the rubiales and everything and they got the attention of everyone and yeah i agree uh they have the power the players have the power now more than ever and i hope they make it i really hope they make it it's a big battle it's a huge battle the but yeah uh it's about the time honestly for a revolution so yeah uh but yeah i guess no further comments uh for now uh i mean there are always comments on that but i won't go any deeper into that anymore uh it's already complicated as it is so yeah uh let's finish this up prep this up until the next real madrid game all right guys so i guess this is it a pretty long for this one but we have covered a lot of things we have covered the game for you guys as well and yeah we will be back with a pod we will be bringing you articles about as i said about the international break and how madridista perform so you can keep up with that and until next time ala madrid ala madrid sports social podcast network 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.